Are we gonna do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm Eastbound, just watch old bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal, some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out, cause we got <laughs> Smokey the Bandit Man, what a classic. I can't think of a better intro to the Freedom Convoy. Right. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I love it. Um, welcome, listeners, to the AC Podcast. As you can probably tell, we are going to jump right into today's topic. That is the Freedom Convoy. So for those of you who don't know, uh, currently in Canada, there is a nationwide protest against vaccine mandates that has called truckers from literally all over Canada, some in the States that have chosen to protest. And that protest has led them right to the footsteps of Canadian Parliament, right on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's doorstep. And it's pretty crazy because it's internationally making some waves as Tesla founder or owner Elon Musk went and tweeted about it. So uh, I guess we're on the map now. <laughs> but uh, what about you guys? What have you been seeing about it in your various places in Canada? Because that's one of the biggest issues that a lot of people are seeing is the media or individuals are all kind of talking about it from different angles and people don't know what to believe. Yeah, I guess that's the first thing that I've noticed is just the difference in the way it's covered. Right, Because you look at some of the news coverage and then you look at the stuff that's put out by the Freedom Convoy, like say on Instagram, or those kinds of things. It's like you're, and Andy has mentioned this before regarding different you know, news media outlets and how they cover things. And it feels like you're living in different worlds. And it, this one felt very much like it too. Now, uh, I got to ask you though, Steve, besides what you've seen online, uh, I've actually seen it. Like I was, I was driving home uh, recently when you know, the, right now for those that aren't in Canada, there are protests happening yeah. not just in Ottawa mm-hmm. but across the country. So here uh, in in British Columbia, uh, we saw them. Uh, I saw them protesting along this, yeah, along uh, our highways. You know, it's kind of an ongoing thing here with mm-hmm. with f- people waving flags and and different. Uh, and you'll just often be driving here in Canada and you will see, as I have seen numerous times, a father yep. with his kids or a whole family or an individual on an overpass holding a flag, holding a sign. It, this is something that is it's a very significant moment. Yep. What's happening yeah. here in Canada. Like you said, Andy, there's stuff happening all over. Right. So one that's most well known right now is the convoy that actually made their way to Ottawa and they're parked in front of uh, the parliament building. But there's also st- protests happening um, by truckers like in Victoria. We heard about that one. And then uh, in Alberta too, they're protesting down by the border to Montana where these truckers are just parked parked right out there. Um, and the police don't know what to do with them. And yeah, and, and there's, so I, I think a lot of this is really pointing to how so many people across the country are so tired of all the restrictions and, and they just want to get their uh, livelihood back. Um, and I can really appreciate that because serving as a pastor at a local church, 
I get this sort of sentiment all the time. Like it's been like over two years and people are frankly getting, well, I guess not over two years, but it's been almost two years and people are really getting tired of all of this. Whereas mm-hmm. at our church, we we chose to follow all the protocols about wearing masks and things like that. And at first people really you know, complied with it. And now people are just getting tired and more and more we see people just not complying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just shows the fatigue. Yeah, I, I, and looking at it all, it was, it, it's been interesting because I, I've never been one to quickly jump on a political movement you know, or jump on it negatively or necessarily jump on it positively either because there's so much nuance to it. And, and so when, when everything started happening, uh, with the, in regards to the freedom convoy, I had to take a moment where I really needed to give myself the space to actually really see it for, to a certain degree for myself. And I had been mentioning to, to Wes just the other day, I was like, man, I wanted to get on a plane and head over to Ottawa just to see it for myself just to experience it for myself, because it is a monumental moment for Canada. But from what we're hearing in the news to the prime minister himself, to then uh, the the chief of the Ottawa police just yesterday, the the varying amounts of opinion on it, uh, accounts of what's really happening have been really difficult. And so um, AC, we actually got in touch with someone who is, is in Ottawa and we actually got a voice clip from them from someone who was actually there, and we'll just share that with you guys right now. Hi, my name is Ali. I got to spend about 10 hours at the Freedom Convoy this weekend in Ottawa. I was there on Saturday from around 11 to 6, and then we went back again on Sunday evening. And I cannot say enough great things of what I witnessed while being there. Um, while, While being on the streets and meeting truckers and meeting strangers and talking to people who just got in their car and drove to Ottawa without any plan because they knew they wanted to be here and that it mattered. That was the resounding theme from everyone we talked to. They were just like, it matters that I'm here. It matters for the generations. It matters that my kids grow up in a world that is free and that does not force them to put certain things in their bodies in order to have jobs. It matters that we have a government that actually acknowledges the cries of the people. And I have been in a lot of really beautiful settings in my life, but I think that that was the greatest display of humanity that I have ever witnessed en masse. And I do not say that lightly. I saw person after person offering up like hand and toe warmers to strangers, bringing hot meals to truckers, as you probably have seen videos of like shoveling the sidewalks, picking up litter. Even before I knew that people had gone around and picked up litter, I was amazed at how there was no garbage on the streets. And then to learn that that was actually done by people there that was so remarkable. Just hearing strangers meeting each other On Sunday night, we had this very random, amazing dance party right in front of Parliament. And it was just like a big crowd of young guys. And I said, hey, did you guys all come together? And they were like, no, we don't know each other. And that was so cool. And then I'm standing beside a guy and someone else comes up to him and says, hey, where are you from? And then they start speaking in Arabic with each other. So there's just like story after story of that, talking to truckers who have come here from across the country uh, with their families 
Um, one in particular, we talked to a man named Sandy from Alberta. He said his kids live on a ranch, like they live on a ranch, and they have been largely unaffected. But as he's driven across the country, he has just seen how um, much people are seen how much people are suffering, and so they all came together to um, be a part of this because, as they said, it matters. It matters so much. And he even said that he's not a religious man or not a spiritual man, but he really feels like God has picked truckers at this time for a very specific reason. And I concur. I think that personally, something that's really bothered me over the last few years is where are all the strong men? You know, thinking about our political leaders and how so many have remained silent in the face of very obvious um, human oppression and to see so many men in the form of truckers, of course, not only men, but largely men, um, take this stand and say, hey, I'm willing to risk my livelihood and I'm willing to give up time with my family or give up time doing what I want in order to um, make a stand for all Canadians is very, very remarkable. And I was so blessed to be there and I'm going back this weekend. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you so much, Ali, for your contribution. I know I speak on behalf of all of AC that we appreciate it. We appreciate your message. And it really does help give some perspective, right? Because we're we're hearing so many different things. Guys, what are your thoughts? You know, it's just really frustrating because all four of us didn't go to Ottawa. And so we can only say so much in the grand scheme of things. We can, you know, see what we've been seeing, whether it's in the legacy media or whether it's in uh, social media posts, but uh, it's always helpful to get the perspective of someone who's on the ground and who's walking around and kind of giving some feedback there. And I think that's been one of the biggest frustrations for me, kind of echoing what you said, Troy, is that there's been such a difference. Every time I pull up a news app and I'm looking at CTV, I'm, I'm looking at CBC, I'm seeing doom and gloom and I'm seeing, you know, just uh, like even yesterday, uh, I opened the the app on my phone and the first thing was something about, you know, protest continues to go on and people are worried that it might end in terrible violence. And I'm thinking, who? Because <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not hearing anything. I mean, I have heard some some people who I know who live in Ottawa have have said that the noise has been a problem for them, but that's the only yep. true complaint that I, I feel like, yeah, you know, if, if the horns are blonk, blonking, what am I even saying? If the horns are honking, <laughs> <I'm blaring. laughs> if the horns are honking, um, I'm not sure what kind of truck blonks, but uh, maybe a, a French one. Um, uh, if the horns are honking, um, then uh, we can, um, we, I, I can see how it, I don't know what he's saying saying anymore. Okay, okay, hold on. (laughs) Let me rewind. Um, If the the horns are honking till midnight, you can totally understand how that would be like, that's that's loud, that's frustrating as a parent of young kids. Yeah, I mean, that would drive me nuts. But in terms of what's actually going on on the ground, I'm not really seeing anything that's, overly terrible, at least not in sort of the dramatized way that the news seems to be putting it out. I want to just take this moment to uh, thank uh, the National Post. I don't I don't often do this, but they actually have some journalism 
happening. And I'm going to, mm. I'm just going to be really frank here. These last three years, I don't think I've seen too much journalism take place. No, no, no. Right. I haven't seen journalism taking place, but there was an article in the National Post, meet the truckers, the men and women of the Freedom Convoy 2022. And they did something quite miraculous. They actually went and talked to people. And this is, it's an interesting article because they're just sharing people's stories, people that are participating. And what they're doing is they're humanizing them and just going, hey, here, here, here are the people. And this, I think, is the issue at play. Steve, you brought up the fatigue, and I think that's definitely part of it. But I think if you were to be interviewing people and, and just as we talk to people, I think there's the fatigue, but there's also the villainization mm-hmm. that, it, that is going on here. And really, when you're, when you're talking with people, they are, they are tired of being villainized. People in general are tired of being villainized. And so that's why I, I'm just saying, hey, good on you, National Post. To just go talk with some people and actually humanize them and say, hey, here are the men and women that are actually participating. Because when you read that, you start to realize that there are vaccinated and unvaccinated alike. There are various people, men and women of of various ages that are participating for various reasons in a democracy that, that are saying, hey, listen, leaders, freedom is important to us. And not being villainized and not villainizing my friends and family is important to us. Like we need to, we need to talk. We need to, you need to listen sort of, sort of mentality. And I I think when you guys think this is part of the, this is where things are going to get real interesting for, for those of you that are watching what's happening in Canada and those of us that are living in this, because as this freedom convoy reaches Ottawa, our, our prime minister, uh, just just pour fire on the storm. He, so, sorry, fire on, start. he poured gas on the fire. I'm pulling a Wesley here. Uh, <laughs> 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 but because it just fell into that same, that same rhetoric. And listen, I, I'm not, AC is not a political organization. We're not, we're not trying to make political statements here. But with the rhetoric and the villainization and referring to people as tin hat wearers and the and the like, it, it it was one of those moments where you're like, this is the problem. This this is the problem. This is the division that's going on, not just in Canada. This is the division that's been happening across the world with leadership, and and this is where things really really need to to change. I mean, even just the mm-hmm. the idea of a trucker, like what kind of image comes to your mind when you hear the word trucker, right? And likely you have a stereotype of what a trucker looks like. In the same way, when you hear words like politician, right? Or uh, patriot, you see see what I mean? Like there is a certain kind of stereotype that you have in your mind and you want to take a, a group of people and just boil it down to that stereotype and usually with those these kinds of things when when you are kind of wrestling with this kind of tension socially then you typically want to entertain whatever negative stereotype that you have in order to kind of justify yourself in this tension right i i'm the good guy here and they're not this kind of us versus them mentality 
And so, yeah, you, you kind of have to wonder how how are you going to th- this is a challenge, right? Because one of the things that I try to do in my life is when there is somebody that I have a negative stereotype of, I think the thing that's really going to help me overcome that is actually getting to know that person, right? And, mm. and I think that's that's where I think that article you mentioned, Andy, about National Post, that sort of article actually helps bridge the gap. And I mean, you, you use the word humanize them, and and I think that's that's really that's bang on. And I think that's one of the problems we see on social media, right? Is that you're not dealing with a person face to face. One of the issues with something like Twitter is that you get such like vitriolic responses. And I think part of that is because we've disassociated the person behind the screen name and the actual person that exists. And this is why, you know, studies have shown you would never say those things to a person's face if they were right in front of you. It's so easy to disassociate. And so arguably true journalism should be trying to get the average person's perspective and relate to that and get an an actual journalistic angle. And uh, one of the frustrations I've been feeling more and more lately is that we're not dealing with journalism. We're dealing with what is looking more and more like propaganda. And that worries me. It should Because especially when, you know, you have news outlets that are funded by the federal government, the CBC is funded by the federal government. And you would hope that that would not largely play into how they're reporting things. But I think we've seen, especially recently, but even in years past, that 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 has obviously bled into the lifeblood of how these news outlets are reporting. Hey everyone, Troy here. I just wanted to take a brief moment away from the podcast to let you know about something we got coming up. On March 27th, we will be holding our next AC Literary Expedition. For those of you who are new and may not know what that is, the AC Literary Expedition is an initiative by Apologetics Canada to bring people together virtually to explore ideas in their historical context. And so this time around, we will be studying George Orwell's work of 1984. This book has been receiving renewed attention as of late from political correctness to various bills that have recently been passed and of course, to COVID-related public health regulations. Many are concerned that Orwell's warnings are going unheeded. Terms like Orwellian are thrown across the aisle both ways. But what does it mean for something to be Orwellian? Are we heading towards a totalitarian dystopia or is this an overreaction? Is Orwell's 1984 prophetic or pathetic? If it's prophetic, how do we stop ourselves from colliding into the dystopia? Above all, how can Christians be more thoughtful and nuanced from a biblical worldview in processing the insights we can learn from 1984? So join us on Sunday, March 27th to discuss various themes from a work that is sure to make you think. Take in the reading and audio material that can be found on our website at apologeticscanada.com slash ACLE. So as soon as you're done the podcast, make sure you head to the website and register. We hope to see you there. That's all from me. Back to the podcast. And you would hope that that would not largely play into how they're reporting things. But I think we've seen, especially recently, but even in years past, that 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 has obviously bled into the lifeblood of how these news outlets are reporting. Let me just quickly define propaganda for our listeners. And you tell me if this is what you've been experiencing over the last three years. Information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, used to promote a political cause or a point of view. Yeah. And and I I think anybody 100%. would agree. 
that's exactly what's been going on for the last three years. And a lot of us are yeah. frustrated. I know for us with the AC podcast, you have to appreciate for doing the podcast, we have to watch the news every day. We're yeah. constantly looking for something to talk on. And so we've we've been immersed for Steve, especially he and I have been doing this for nine years and we've been immersed in it. Steve and I are, are have been disgusted by what we've seen over these nine years. So, so frustrated at times we can't even read certain news agencies anymore because we would get de- dependent upon the year and what was happening. You just get so, mm-hmm. so frustrated by the, the propaganda. I didn't realize this was such an issue till I was forced to read the news on a regular basis in different news agencies and seeing this, you begin to really become overwhelmed by it. I've been kind of trying to look at the news lately through a a, a certain scale. And so with, with the freedom convoy, one of the first things that I, I thought about was like, okay, when people all come together seemingly for one cause, what is my, okay, what, what can I reference, you know, what from the Bible can I reference? And I always come back to Babel, the Tower of Babel. And my scale is always this. When I look at the narrative that from the people that is being spoken about, is the narrative about building something specifically for themselves or is it about, or is it truly about other people? Right. Is it truly about I'm doing this for the fellow man or is this because I want to make myself great and build something for myself? Because then I see how, you know, when you, you read the story of the Tower of Babel, where God himself says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. And he says just before that, there is nothing they will they can't accomplish together. And it's, it's, it's an encouragement, but it's also a warning because if your goal is to go and build something for yourself and you're able, and and if the word is saying that if they, these people all come together, then that means even the worst of things is accomplishable. And I believe we've, we've, and I'm not comparing this, preface this before I say this, we saw this with (laughs) things like the Holocaust or these mass genocides where large groups of people came together with one common goal of eradicating somebody else. And so once again, I'm not comparing those two things here. What I am simply saying is I always am mindful making sure that what I am seeing is not this just a babble where we are just trying to build something for ourselves. If the goal of the freedom convoy, as it is said in their own statement is to free Canadians and liberate Canadians um, for all Canadians, then that's where I put my, my focus. And that's what I got to be watchful for. It may not look the way I want it to all the time. Yeah. um, You know, on that note of pride, and this is something I've said before on the podcast, but, you know, because we tend to have this view, elevated view of ourselves, or we mentioned the fact, for example, that, you know, everybody on social media seem to be these like expert lawyers and virologists and political philosophers and all those kinds of things. Um, And yet look at the way we respond to the journalism that's going on or lack thereof, that the information that's being put out and how much we're swayed one way or the other depending on what it is that we read. And so I think uh, there should be a healthy level of humility here where we say, you know what, 
like I'm not all that, right? And, and and I'm not this sort of you know expert in everything because because I, I I know Alberta, right? Um, people have this political temperament, and so they'll tend to tend toward a certain kind of news agencies that's helpful for them, right? And if you go to Toronto, it might be a bit of a different story, um, and, and that. You know, forms the the sort of it's always a different story if you go to Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then, you know, that kind of media consumption then sets the foundation for everything else that we think about on the on these issues. And we are just so often swayed by, you know, the the news stories that are put out. And I think we need to kind of check our own hearts and our own pride and say, you know what, I'm I'm not all that. Mm. Uh, with what you were saying, uh, Troy. Uh, I, I hear what I hear what you're getting at is this idea that on the one hand, we can do great things together when we work together and, yeah. and when we and when we're working together for good things like like freedom. But we yeah. can also do really bad things as well when when we work together and that this becomes this gut check that we have to constantly weigh as we realize as humans, as broken humans, we tend to want to tip pendulum swing from one side to the other and mm. the hard work is is this middle ground where you're you're weighing that as you're seeking the good don't get me wrong as you're seeking the good but you're realizing that you can easily go off kilter you know at, at any point and at and, any and point. what is that what does that look like well and i think that's when you look at the news was talking about how gofundme had frozen their funds and that sort of thing. And for our listeners who want a scale of what, how much money has been raised around that, they're currently sitting at $10 million. They are $42,000 over their goal of 10 million. And that's, what is this? It, has it just been a week? It's been a week of, maybe maybe it's been more weeks of actually fundraising, but it's been a week where we've really heard about it. And so I guess like with that, I, I I look at the GoFundMe and I try and reference even that because I'm like, my heart says love assumes the best, right? That's, I want to assume the best. And it, you know, right in their statement, we are a peaceful country that has helped protect nations across the globe from tyrannical governments who oppress their people. And now it seems it is happening here. We're taking our fight to the doorsteps of the federal government and demanding that they cease all mandates against its people. And so looking at that at surface level, I want to assume the best. Because quite honestly, this appears to be the most unified our country has been in three years. And so I don't have time or I don't want to waste time being skeptical of this, too. Because like I said, love assumes the best. So that's that's what I'm trying to do. And I think one of the issues we're seeing is that you have people who are coming in from different backgrounds, different perspectives and different angles on this thing. And one thing that I really appreciated earlier this week, uh, sort of a, a friend of a friend of mine who is uh, the legal counsel for a pro-life organization, she was posting on social media and she was just saying that, you know, over the years she's attended probably a dozen March for Life, like marches. Mm. And um, she was talking about the fact that, you know, even at those, you have a variety of different people. And she mentions, you know, as a Protestant, she's seen parades of Catholics carrying around statues of Mary that in a way that she would be uncomfortable with. And she's seen signs from um, atheists who are against abortion that included profanity. And she's like, she's seen all of these things. And, 
And in her comment, she just said, like, that doesn't stop me from going for the one simple reason that we're all unified on the purpose. And yes, there's going to there are going to be people at these particular events. And she was commenting particularly early on in kind of the news coverage of some of these things where there was a picture going around of an individual who's holding a swastika or um, a Confederate flag painted on the side of a truck. And I think there's been some legitimate doubt casted on some of those kind of yeah. like instances of supposed racism, uh, I think for doubt for good reasons. But she was just saying, like, even if this is true, there are so many people in Ottawa right now. And like you said, Troy, obviously so many people are contributing to this GoFundMe. Yes. They're not all going to be coming from the same perspective. And despite maybe even some of the, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of coverage of the um, F Trudeau flags. And I, I think we should have reason to be like, maybe that's not the perspective we should be coming at it from. But nonetheless, if the purpose and the stru- underlying structure is freedom, we can agree to disagree on some of the periphery issues if our purpose and mandate, for lack of using a better word, is um, is unified in that. By the way, speaking of that F. Trudeau sign, um, there, Maya and I, we take some martial arts lessons and on the way out there's a stop sign and somebody put that sticker there. I am crossing my fingers that Maya's not going to notice this for a long, long time because I don't want to have to explain this to her. But um, just kind of picking up on what you said, Wes, because that's a really great point. Last week, Andy mentioned the fact that democracy is inherently messy, right? And what's really interesting is when you listen to, especially politicians, you know what they all say, you know, across the aisle, they both sides, they'll say, Canadians this, Canadians that. As if we all have a single hive mind that we're connected to, right? Canadians are, you know, uh, disgusted by this, or Canadians are fighting for freedom. Like, which Canadian are you talking about, right? This, <laughs> right. so this, this, this was a, a frustration of mine. Just that kind of rhetoric, not recognizing that, yeah, there, there are various viewpoints, and that's the nature of democracy is that people are supposed to form coalitions when they have sufficient overlap in their interests. So, yeah, go to March for Life, and you'll see all kinds of people. And I've read blogs where, for example, this uh, lesbian couple, yeah, they, they went to this March for Life and how they had a great chat with all these Catholics around them. Right. I mean, sure, you know, they, you know, these Catholics, they didn't approve of their lifestyle, whatever, but they were all united for this one goal. And you're supposed to form these coalitions and, and forming a coalition like this, it presupposes that people are going to have different views. Now, here's the Mm. problem, though, and this is what we're witnessing that I think is important for us to highlight. And I don't know if you guys watched the members of parliament as they were going back and forth as, as they've been talking on this. And, and one of the, you know, the opposition, the conservatives were really pushing back saying, listen, what, what's happening that, that is being very divisive is you're painting an entire people by one flag or, you know, a couple of people who are saying this or doing this. They're like, you, you can't just broad brush everyone yeah. with the few. And, and this was what we're seeing, even with just mentioning that this is only the voice of a minority, where it was really interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Rachel Rachel Thomas, who's an MP in Alberta, she posted on her Instagram uh, saying, listen, there was a poll that was done 
of th- uh, 30,000 Canadians to ask, are you in support of the trucker convoy in Ottawa? Uh, of which 78% uh, said yes, uh, that they are. So it, it's interesting, again, it's just so easy to broad brush and say, oh, this is just, you know, the, which what we've been seeing, where people are broad brushing, saying, oh, this is just the voice of a minority, the the fringe, the fanatics the fringe. or whatever. But in fact, there are a lot of Canadians that are in support of freedom, of course, uh, that are that are casting their vote with them saying, hey, or their their support, I should say, saying, hey, no, we actually support what what's going on here and that they do have a voice and that voice should be heard and it shouldn't just be waived or dismissed or that it shouldn't be mischaracterized. I have a friend who works for for Rebel News, but he's also a recording artist and also believer, loves God, loves people. And he has even had such a challenge in in the last while because, you know, one, he works for Rebel News, right? He works for an organization that has been openly in an attempt to discredit uh, they've been openly called out by Trudeau saying that I'm not going to speak with you. I'm not going to have conversations with you because you guys aren't legitimate and this, that, and the third, because well, they're, they are not funded by big organizations like <laughs> the Canadian government. And so yeah. they're, they don't have a level of bias and no, they don't, they don't really like Trudeau, but it's just interesting having conversations with him, knowing that you know, he loves the Lord. Like we've done, we've done a concert or two together and it's crazy seeing how, as we were saying this before, I think Andy, you were talking about how we, we've been marginalizing people, making them as if they're all the same when this, this guy, you know, this is my brother, you know, this is a guy that I, 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 I've spent time with. I know his heart, you know, like it's so crazy knowing even from him, how careful he, he has had to be in, in what he, what he covers and what he shows up to. Like he, he said with his discernment, he discerned, I, I can't go to this, this time around. I'm praying for my team. I'm praying that they, they, they're safe when they go, but I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go to this. And so it's really interesting, especially how monumental this is for Canada, that even he had to make uh, a, the tough decision not to go. Cause what reporter, what journalist wouldn't want to be on the ground for something like this? Yeah, and I, I feel like I can relate to that sort of trickiness. There are so many different angles. Like our conversation last week was talking about with rights of conscience, right? There's uh, This is multifaceted and requires um, a multivariant analysis of what's going on. Even as my wife and I, Melissa, have been talking about trying to navigate these things. And we, one of the things we've been talking about more and more lately is uh, homeschooling. You know, our son is going to be going to junior kindergarten next year. Uh, what are we going to do? And we've been looking at different options. And we've just been talking about lately how important we feel it is to impart not only um, what to think, but also how to think within our children, because it, they're not getting that. And we have family members who they, you know, they their lifeblood is uh, CNN, CBC, the Toronto Star. And they're just being fed a narrative and that's where they're getting their information from. And it, it really, A, it's can be a little bit frustrating. Um, and, and B it's, it's just like you love these people. And yet at the same time, you see a level of not truly being able to sift through 
uh, the meat and spit out the bones, um, but also realize how to critically think. And then thinking about, you know, our kids and and how we can impart that on the future generation and look back at instances like like the Freedom Convoy and say, like, this is an example of the fact that we need to be discerning in how we view content and and download uh, media. I, I want to take this a step further, uh, Wes, that is something that we deal with here at AC that I think is in, interesting. It's an interesting idea given this concept of freedom and this in this Freedom Convoy and actually how much freedom do you have here in Canada? And so I want... Any listener that's listening right now, whatever profession you're in at the moment, I want you to think about how much freedom do you have to voice your opinion and still be able to keep your job? Mm. How much How much freedom do you actually have? And the reason I bring that up is because with AC, we work with various professionals as we host different conferences, as we speak on various topics. And over the years, we have had people that, are be, that have become very cautious of whether or not they're going to speak at a conference or do something with us because they've got to check us out as an organization, which that's legit. And they want to listen to us on the podcast and see, you know, what we're doing. But they realize that right now it is so difficult to navigate secular culture and to not find yourself in the crosshairs where you can lose your job or that you uh, could have various other, you know, things take place with with your reputation or, or whatever it might be. That it's got a lot of us on eggshells, if we're honest, has a lot of mm-hmm. us on eggshells as we're trying to navigate this. And truthfully, truthfully, here at AC, we don't love having these conversations. We don't love doing these podcasts, if we're honest with you, because we're, 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 we feel like we're walking in a landmine in our culture where we don't just represent us. And it's not just our jobs that we're representing. But we're representing churches and individuals and organizations and publishers and all sorts of other things that could be lashed out at because of us. So when you're thinking about freedom, there are various pressures right now that I think are restricting our freedom that many people are frustrated by. This has been boiling under the surface. And so when you see these things like this Freedom Convoy, it does not surprise me. And I, and I do just want to say thank you to different listeners who reached out to us who have appreciated that AC has been a consistent Christian voice in culture and helping you as to navigate this as we're trying to navigate this. But please appreciate this is not easy for us. It's not easy for us to put out our thoughts like this as we're navigating really complicated and difficult issues and to do so as the best we can thoughtfully and graciously. Yeah, that's well said, Andy. I think it just goes without saying that freedom in every facet of the word comes at a risk. You know, maybe there's a a listener who's, you know, you're thinking about Ottawa. You're thinking about doing something in your own, in your hometown. Maybe there, you know, it's it's Black History Month. Maybe there's a listener on here who who is still feeling the weight of the protests that have happened in the States over Black lives and I think the first step to to making any major statement or any major stance on something, weigh the cost. Are you willing to understand that you will be marginalized one way or another? Are you willing to follow through with with the things that you're going to say? And I guess lastly, make sure that you're actually committed to that. 
because it's going to impact everybody around you, whether whether you like it or not, because some of the things that we're fighting for, whether it's within Canada, whether it's within a specific racial demographic, some of those things that you're fighting for, you're not going to see come to fruition in your lifetime. And so I pray that you make sure that it's worth it. Well, we're coming to a, a close here. And I, I think that maybe it would be fitting to, to just bring up an idea as we, as we close this conversation on freedom, to think about the fact that freedom, and I think this is an important aspect for, for everyone to constantly remember, freedom is never in isolation. Freedom alone is not a good thing. You can use your freedom, as Troy, you were getting out with the Tower of Babel, you can use your freedom for good, and you can use your freedom for evil. And I, I really appreciate what Viktor Frankl, a Jew who survived Auschwitz, said at the end of the war. He, he challenged the United States. He said, he said, basically, the United States has the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast, he says, but I think they should include a statue on the West Coast of responsibility. And ultimately, he said, freedom always goes with responsibility. The two go hand in hand. And so mm. as individuals living in a democracy that appreciate freedom, we have to understand that that comes with an incredible responsibility. Thank you guys so much for listening to the AC Podcast. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, so make sure to like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms. Interact with us online. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can reach us at info at apologeticscanada.com. Until next time, love God, love people. Bye for now.